Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in so funny i was away on vacation last week and i what was probably a normal time of day for you was kind of after my bedtime and i got i I woke up to use the restroom in the middle of the night and i saw a text from dan saying did you see the trailer and i immediately looked at it (laughs) and and was, was totally captivated by it while you were like i was eating dinner and saw it what are you talking about mark Uh, Yeah, this is really fun and a nice surprise. I mean, people have been talking about this thing for a while. I mean, that's the big thing is this this movie is coming up soon, Mark. I mean, what is it in like a little over three months? We're getting this movie and there's been really very little press about it. They are being very tight lipped about it. And, you know, I think this trailer (laughs) begins to get at why when Loki finished on Disney Plus, for those of you who are watching those shows, there was kind of this consensus on uh, social media like, oh, clearly Marvel and Sony are just waiting for Loki to finish because of, you know, what had happened there. No spoilers. But, you know, like obviously there there is some stuff that, you know, kind of leads into No Way Home as well. And and then yet Loki ended in what was that, June or July, early July? 
<laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> it feels like a long time ago, for sure. <laughs> so we still had to wait another like month and a half or so for this. For Like you said, the movie comes out in December. So uh, h- how do you want to get into this, Dan? I mean, like, you know, obviously, like, like we just alluded to, there's been a lot of speculation about this movie going back a year or so when they were talking about casting news. I mean, you know, the first the first big thing was like, oh, Alfred Molina is going to be it. And then it was like, oh, and it's Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in it and Jamie Foxx and and possibly other actors from other Sony uh, Spider-Man movies. Is this going to be kind of like into the Spider-Verse live action? And I think I don't know if we really talked a lot about it, Dan, but I feel like you and I were probably aligned in being like, huh, is this, do we need a live action into the Spider-Verse? I mean, into the Spider-Verse is so perfect. <laughs> why, why are we going to ruin it with a live action thing with lots of Sony stuff? Some of it was good Sony stuff and some of it wasn't so good. So what, what, what I mean, am I, am I describing your feelings accurately or, or am I putting words in your mouth here? <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's really accurate. I'll I'll expand on that a little bit, which is, you know, so many of these rumors about what, you know, is going to be in this movie have like suddenly been confirmed by this trailer that I don't even know what to believe anymore. You know, like there's been this long rumor about Charlie Cox's Daredevil showing up in this. And I've long been like, I really don't think that's going to happen. But you know what? I feel like there's a really good chance that that could happen now. So I, I, I really think, you know, with the casting of Jamie Foxx and, and Alfred Molina and everybody coming back and this trailer pretty much confirming it, uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited. I, I really think the sky's the limit for where they could go with this. But on, you know, the alternate, like like you were saying, I don't even think my fear was necessarily like, hey, we don't need another Into the Spider-Verse movie. That's so perfect. I mean, if they got a good story, then great. It was more just like, I think it's weird to have Spider-Man media so dominated by multiverse stories. You know, you've got these like even kid shows where there's Gwen and Miles. And I think that's great. I do worry that, you know, the kind of everyman nature of Peter Parker gets a little bit lost if he's a character that's constantly hopping dimension dimension when it's like a special one off thing or Miles is getting to do it. Fine, but I I am a little bit precious of my of my Peter Parker, and these movies tend you know way more people see these movies than will ever read the comics or want the TV shows or enjoy any kind of Spider Man media. I guess except for maybe the video games, and so like when they suddenly get fixated on something like this, to me it signals we're about to get decades of of this character being associated with this thing, you know. And that gave me some pause, which is like, that's not really how I see my Spider-Man. Like, if he wants to go and do it, great. Like, Spider-Man has gone into outer space a bunch in the comics. But, like, that doesn't remain, like, a key part of his character. Whereas I think this Spider-Verse thing, to me at least, seems to be occupying more and more space within the Spider-Man mythos. To the point that I'm like, okay, I'm worried that it threatens to dominate it. I will say as we get into the trailer that actually my concerns have been, I think, lessened considerably by this trailer. But I, I want to allow you to respond to what I just said first. Yeah, certainly. Like you said, the the the, the multiversal aspect. I mean, 
you know, you you can you can cite into the Spider Verse as as the root of it, but it, I mean, actually, it probably goes back to Dan Slott's Spider Verse story, where it really kind of took off, and like I felt certainly in the comics, where they really wanted to play up, you know, the 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 multiversal Spider Man, whether it be Miles or Gwen or or, or whoever, but in terms of the movie verse, I mean, you know, I I kind of liked how similar to the comics, as you just alluded to, like. Yes, the big crossovers like Infinity War and Endgame were huge in scope and kind of cosmic, but the actual Spider-Man movies, putting aside, you know, I know some people take umbrage with, you know, just how influential Iron Man was in in these most recent Spider-Man movies, but the thing is like, I mean, even Iron Man, even Tony Stark is telling him like just be a neighborhood hero, you know, and and I feel like those movies <laughs> at least for a minute. <laughs> what's that? At least for a minute he did before he suddenly forced him to wear the Avengers costume. Right, right. That's very true. But I, I, I but I do feel like those first two movies felt fairly grounded. You know, I, I mean, they, they, it was clearly, you know, say what you will about the interpretation of the character. I, I felt that they got the grounded nature of his universe pretty, pretty down pat. I mean, you know, the, the the villain he fights in the first movie is the, the father of his prom date, you know, and then in the second movie, he's on a class trip and, and things are happening, you know, and and, you know, his world is turned upside down when his identity is revealed at the end of the second movie, which, of course, sets the stage for, for this movie. So, you know, like these these feel like very grounded, regular problems uh, for a teenage superhero. They, they kind of nailed that pretty well. So to yeah, to kind of introduce this much higher concept uh, you know despite the fact that you know and I, i'm trying not to spoil other stuff that marvel's doing but like you know clearly the the next phase i guess it's phase four is going to be very focused on timelines and variants and multiverse stuff and and you know i granted I was very excited by how Loki wrapped up and some of the reveals there because I feel like it's going to set up some good storytelling within the MCU. I don't know 100% how I feel about it in the realm of Spider-Man for the reasons that you so elegantly outlined. You know, it's like, is, is this how we want this character to be known to millions of people? You know, because it's not really when you think about the six almost 60 years of history of this character it's not really what his strong suit is <laughs> one of the things that i have to kind of like eat a little bit of crap about a couple weeks before they released this trailer I, you know i'm trying to avoid the big gorilla or whatever elephant in the room which is one more day and one moment in time but you know until we talk about that but cbr posted this article that said one more day might be the solution that Marvel Studios is looking for for Far From Home. And I like retweeted it and was like, no way in hell. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll eat a little bit of crap about that. In, in a weird way, that actually made me more confident in this trailer. So why don't we talk about the trailer itself? Mark, your initial reactions to seeing this thing. I mean... There's a lot. There's a lot to process here. There's a, there is a lot to process, and like in the same vein, like I don't know if I have a definitive feeling about it. If that makes sense. I mean, it, it, it's because there's a lot going on, and you know, like 
I appreciated the conflict they were setting up. I mean, like, you know, I'm glad that it wasn't like, oh, you know, Peter's identity got revealed at the end of the last movie and that they were just going to drop it. Like, that's clearly going to be central to the conflict of this movie, which I think is respectable. Kind of seeing Doctor Strange be so prominent in it was was it was interesting to me. Obviously, based on all the rumors, I was kind of looking for okay where are the easter eggs or where are the clues you know what i mean like oh like there's a there's a a guy in a suit slamming down papers when peter is in the 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 police station and it's like is that charlie cox i mean i I don't think it was but you know i think there were some people that think it might be i don't know i'm definitely very intrigued by what this is and of course like you know the 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 ending of it and the nostalgia rush of seeing like Alfred Molina in the trailer, you know, like to me, like that's the signal of like to go back to your earlier point, anything is possible with this thing. But when you see the sequence with strange and, and Peter and they're kind of riffing pretty closely to one more day. I mean, I was kind of shocked. I mean, not like, like in a bad way per se, but just like, wow. Okay. Like, it would be like turning on a movie, turning on a trailer and seeing like clones, you know, like it's kind of to me like, wow, they're really going to do it. I mean, does that mean they're going to do it well or do it poorly? I don't know. It's a trailer. It's hard. To, you can't really judge the quality of the movie from the trailer unless it was Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I know drove you crazy that I did it. <laughs> but I was right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what to feel except intrigue and curiosity and surprise there was there was all of that to this seeing that what about you i've been saying on this stream is that like this thing really one it made me excited to see the movie which i think probably any spider-man trailer would i mean just seeing spider-man in live action is a thrill regardless of the quality like even the worst spider-man movie i i find fun things to discover about and I mean, it's true for us. We're talking about a lot of bad Spider-Man comics week in and week out, but I still get excited about it, at least just to have a conversation about. It really calmed me down in terms of my worries for, for a number of reasons. But the main one is, you know, I like Far From Home, and I think it's probably like middle-of-the-pack Spider-Man movie. But I felt like that movie lost a lot of like the elements that I associate with Spider-Man in it. I mean, it has the classic, like, Hey, you know, I've got, I've got a double life thing going on and I have to keep it hidden from everybody and keep my friends safe. And you know, that's very Spider-Man, but other, otherwise I felt like there's a lot of like elements to that movie where you could, it, it was more about like hero worship, which is not really like a theme that I associate with Spider-Man a lot. As much as I enjoyed so many parts of that movie, I didn't walk out of there going like that thing has like a beating heart of a Spider-Man movie. This, on the other hand, immediately, uh, it felt like we were getting a classic Spider-Man story. And people are going to be like, wait a minute, one more day and one moment in time are not classic Spider-Man stories. But I will say about those stories is there is a core element to both of those stories that is very Spider-Man, which is you can't have it all. You got to choose one or the other. Right. And you got to, you know, there's never a perfect happy ending, you know. So here we're beginning to see his world fall apart when 
you know, I guess these two worlds, Peter and Spider-Man's world collide. And there was one line from Dr. Strange in this trailer where he says, the problem is you're trying to live two lives. And I think a lot of these great stories, even the ones that we don't like, like the clone saga or ostensibly wrestling with a way of like externalizing that conflict of Spider-Man. Like the clone thing is literally that, right? If you have a guy that can be Peter all the time and a guy that can be Spider-Man all the time, you could, you know, have those lives. Like there's nothing core. Like why do we associate clones with Spider-Man? There's nothing about the character that screams clones. Well, the reason we do is because it's about, you know, dual lives and, you know, live living multiple lives. So to me, like immediately those themes jump out at me here. And I said, this looks very Spider-Man-y. Like Peter is going to be wrestling with problems that we associate with the character. And all the rest of it is like really cool, dazzling, fun things on top. How his being Spider-Man impacts his family and the choices he has to make. It, it reminds me a lot of the end of the very first Spider-Man movie where, you know, Peter says, you know, says to MJ, like, you know, that he can't date her. The idea here that he's erasing all these people, their knowledge of him, but he has to include MJ and Ned. In my mind, at least the end of this movie is him having to make a choice, a choice that might whisk him off to the Sony verse, but a choice nevertheless. And when Spider-Man is making choices that are tough, that's a good Spider-Man story to me. And so that was my kind of like initial reaction was cool. They're doing this, but even better, there's a Spider-Man story at the heart of this. The one more day and one moment in time stuff. I mean, these are, these are influences. They're not, they're not doing those stories. It's clear. I mean, like it's not, they're, they're taking certain elements and, and adapting them to this universe and these characters. And, and, I've kind of loosely defended one more day in the past on, on, you know, in different media and stuff. But like, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't see the harm in doing it based on the premise that they've put forward in this trailer. You know what I mean? I mean, again, it's a trailer, so let's see what it looks like in its full form. But like there, there was nothing, there was nothing in this trailer that made me say, no, that that doesn't make sense for these characters. You know, does that you do you understand what I'm trying to say with that? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It, it it felt like a logical resource that he would go to. You know, I mean, I think in the same is true of like one more day. It's like going to Doctor Strange and Iron Man and all the characters he does go there is something he would do. I don't really associate Mephisto with Spider Man, but if that opportunity presented itself, he might consider it. You know, that might be different than how I would choose to have him make that choice. But I also don't think Peter is a flawless character as he's not presented here. Right. Like, I think him interrupting Strange's spell seems to be like him making a mistake. Yeah. I mean, that, it, I, I think I, I forgot who said it on Twitter, but like, you know, someone making the point that, you know, Spider-Man basically breaks the the multiverse because he won't shut up is a very Spider-Man thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. You know, so I, I, I mean, definite, definite kudos to that. Let's talk a little bit. You know, I, I alluded to how at the end you see, you, you know, you see Alfred Molina as Doc Ock in the flesh. Uh, you know, the other big rumor about this movie from the get go is it's going to include you know, certainly multiple Spider-Man villains. And, you know, that makes, of course, people want to talk about the Sinister Six. 
in terms of the Easter eggs in this movie, we caught what? There's, I mean, Doc Ock is not, I wouldn't even call him an Easter egg. He's there. But, you know, there, there are bolts of lightning to indicate Electro. There was a sandstorm for Sandman. You, you saw, and I saw other people point this out, but, like, I still am having a hard time seeing it. The lizard shows up in the flesh in this movie, in this trailer, right? It's not, like, very obvious, and I'm, I'm, I can't even guarantee that it is the lizard, but you can hear this roar like the lizard, and there's, like, a kind of, like, hunched, shadowy, almost lizard-like character that Spider-Man, like, kind of turns around really quickly, and you see it through a portal, so... You know, I also think it would be easy to bring the lizard back because, like, you could just ignore Reese Efons and just bring in a CGI character, and I don't think anybody would really mind all that much. You know, if I'm looking at, you know, at characters to bring in, I mean, maybe it's the scorpion. They did set that up. You know, it'd be nice to see that paid off. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm excited about this. I imagine these are, like, variant versions of these characters in, in some way. I mean, if you look at Otto, the interesting thing about him is that there's a red light on his tentacles, which is like the color that they are when the chip is in control. So like this is like an Otto before he broke free from the tentacles controls. You know, most of them have died, you know, but like the lightning from Electro is yellow instead of blue. Blue. Yeah. So, you know, like I'm guessing these are going to be variant versions of of these characters so, but I mean, how do you feel about seeing the Sinister Six? I mean, do you think it's going to happen for sure? I mean, I'm still not 100% sold that that's what they're doing. I, I, I you know, because, you know, we kind of had this a little bit in uh, Far From Home. Sorry, I, I, I'm confusing my, my, my home, you know, with, with the elements, with the elementals, you know. Like, like the elementals, yeah. You know, like, oh, it's Sandman and Hydra Man, but it, but it really wasn't. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so so we'll see. I mean, like, I don't, I, I also don't think, I mean, and we didn't mention it, but also we saw a goblin bomb or a pumpkin bomb, if you will, with kind of a sinister laugh to indicate the Green Goblin is somehow involved. And I, I, I also agree with you, I, I you know, outside of Alfred Molina, we really don't know for certain that anyone who's portrayed these characters in the past is going to necessarily reprise them here. The the beauty of doing a story about the multiverse and different timelines is you can do whatever do whatever the heck you want here. You know what I mean? You want to right the wrongs of the past, you can do that. I mean, it so happens that you know, and I don't know if this is a controversial opinion or not, but to me, like Alfred Molina's Doc Ock was the best cinematic Spidey villain that we've gotten so far. So like bringing him in in the flesh. You know, no brainer if he wants to do it. But with the others, you know, you want to change the look, the actor, whatever. You know, you can do it. Like it's an it's it's a variant. You know, <laughs> like there's, there's nothing you're not beholden to anything if it's a variant. You can get a you can get an alligator to be one of these characters, as we learned in Loki. <laughs> <laughs> there have been casting rumors around every character that appeared in the trailer, so. You know, if rumors are to be believed, which at this point I'm kind of in the camp of believing them. You know, Jamie Foxx has already been brought back and and same with Willem Dafoe and, and all of the actors, you know, uh, of those movies. You know, they're more confirmed than Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are. And I think, at least from my, my mind, there's a pretty safe bet we're going to get those characters. But there's one detail that throws me off a little bit. 
if you um, look at Peter in the scene where he at the end is looking at the the woman on in the car and then Otto bursts out of the uh, thing and Peter changes into a different costume, he's wearing the exact same suit that Peter wore in Spider-Man 3. So whether we're going to get a, a version of like uh, Maguire and Garfield or Peter's mind is going to like occupy their bodies and he's going to live through them. And maybe when they look in the reflection, you see, you know, the original actor or something like I, I could see them doing that and having to be a very minor cameo thing and have Peter literally living out the lives of all these different people. Because like Otto sees, you know, Tom Holland's Peter and says, hello, Peter, or at least we assume because they're going to they could be, you know, manipulative editing. Right. It is a trailer. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, my guess right now is actually I think he's going to occupy their role in their various universes. Yeah. And in terms of your original question, I mean, if it is the Sinister Six, I mean, again, it just comes down to how they do it, you know, like. People want to say, oh, you know, Spider-Man 3 or Amazing Spider-Man 2 had too many villains and that's what that's what brought them down. But I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is those are the two weakest movies of the Spider-Man franchise for a lot of other reasons. You know, it's not just because of the number of villains. So and naturally. Right. And Into the Spider-Verse shows you can have a half dozen villains and, and not even blink. Right. Exactly. It just depends on how they use how they're used. And, and, and you know, like. I also maintain, like, at least with Spider-Man 3, certain villains were used well. Like, I thought Sandman was a stunning cinematic visual, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and, and I liked Thomas Hayden Church's performance, so... And that's all they would have to be here is almost a stunning visual. I mean, we've already introduced... If, if audiences are familiar with these characters, bring them in and let's just have fun with them, you know? Like, I think that's actually the trick, you know? The problem with at least in my opinion, the problem with the too many villains thing is they're all operating on an outdated mode of like introducing villains into movies, which is you cast the mega star actor. And then in order to justify the millions of dollars that you're paying them, they need to split the screen time with the main character, you know, to some major degree. Right. And so you can't just have them be a bit role that's just introduced without an origin story. So when you have like, you know, a movie with a ton of origin stories and all these conflicting protagonists or, or antagonists, then your movie gets really bogged down. Whereas Into the Spider-Verse doesn't even like bother to introduce 90% of the villain there. They just assume you know who Kingpin is even, you know, which I think is a, a fairly bit of a reach for, you know, most audiences. I mean, the design tells you everything you need to know. But, you know, most people, I, I would dare say, in, in average world don't know who Kingpin is or the non-comics world, if you will. I'm hopeful that, like, they can kind of bring some of these characters in and just like, whatever, you know, these guys, let's just let's just have fun. And the trailer, I think, is like a great example of that. Definitely. You want to talk about the, the slack and then we can get back to some more trailer reaction, Dan? Yeah, sure. Hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting, conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. I bet you could even talk about trailers there, right, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. We have a whole movies column and an MCU spoilers column. So yeah, like there we've been discussing like, you know, this trailer, 
But also this week we had a really fun like breakout of everybody listing their top five Spider-Man artists of all time. And we cataloged it and came up with the ultimate list of who who is the most beloved of all. So that was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, if you want to join this awesome Spider-Man community, just follow the link in the description and be sure to say hi. Once you're there, let us know what you thought of this episode and the trailer uh, yourself. We'd love to hear what you got going on. All right, Mark, so let's talk about some of our expectations for the movie. Do you have like any theories about what you think is actually going on here or what kind of story it's going to be? Yes and no. Um, I mean, I think one thing that's definitely worth talking about is Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange here. Not to play off his name, but he sure seemed to be acting strangely <laughs> and maybe not totally himself here. I mean, well, first of all, you know, the, the, the Sanctum Santorum on the inside was like an ice castle. So I don't know if he's become like, you know, the princess from Frozen or something. But what, what, what's going on? What, what, what is your takeaway here from Doc, Doc Strange in this this trailer, Dan? OK, well, I, I'm going to get it out there and I'm going to say it so, so that you don't have to. And I'm not saying I agree with this, but I just want to get it out there. Right. There's a moment where Spider-Man is walking through a crowd of people as Peter Parker. And there's a sign behind him that says the devil in disguise and with horns and if we're doing one moment in time one more day Mephisto's not very far behind now everybody has been saying Mephisto's <laughs> going to show up in every tv show like people are just like maybe this is it maybe this is the one where he finally shows up you're right and we've been proven you know like like our patience will pay off and maybe that's dr strange maybe he's Mephisto and maybe he like turned it into an ice palace so as to not alert everybody about the flames of hell. And he certainly lights that fire really quickly by pointing at it. I could pick this apart all day and tell you that this is like not Dr. Strange and it's Mephisto or any other number of imposters. I don't know that I believe that. I mean, I think he's acting kind of strange, but mostly because I think it's edited kind of weird for the trailer. And I don't know. I mean, like if you were to really ask me, I would assume that he's going to kind of play the like uh, Morpheus role in this movie, which is like, you know, first I think Spider-Man is probably going to try to break into Dr. Strange's place and steal some magic thing uh, that ends up causing a big mess. You know, e even in like, just that image where Dr. Strange is blasting Peter's spirit out of his body you can see that Spider-Man is holding some kind of device. You know, I wonder if he's going to op like open up the mirror dimension like we see a little bit of in, in the trailer. And then Doctor Strange is going to take him under his wing, teach him something about the multiverse and help him with this spell that then suddenly goes wrong. There's that great like image of the train that is like splitting off into all different tracks. And to me, that reminds me of like the, the like multiverse timeline that was introduced in Avengers Endgame you know, where they talk about the splintering timeline. I wonder if he's going to use the train to teach Spider-Man about that. Like, that's what I think is going to happen. And then Peter, Peter's going to get lost in the multiverse and it's going to put him through a bunch of trials as he tries to get back home for whatever that means. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, some people are saying Doctor Strange is the villain. It's certainly possible. But to me, I think what we're going to get, if you were to ask me, is I think we're going to get like an amazing Spider-Man 500 happy birthday thing where it ultimately comes down to like Peter living all these different lives, fighting all these different villains and having to make a decision about like, 
hey, I've been through absolute hell, you know, like you can either choose one. You can be Peter Parker or you can be Spider-Man. You got to sacrifice something. And I think that's where this is headed. If you were to ask me. The point seems to be, Dan, whether it's we're talking about happy birthday or one more day or the the Spider-Man, Doctor Strange team ups. I mean, we're getting it seems to be that we are mining a lot of J. Michael Straczynski's run on Amazing Spider-Man, which is interesting to me because like not to take anything away from the classic stories of Dicko and Lee and Ramita, but like, I mean, but let's be honest. I mean, that's generally where the cinematic universe has kind of mined its content from. It's like the, you know, the OG Spider-Man stuff. And, and there's been very little from the modern classic stories. So it's, that's kind of exciting to me that they're looking at they're looking at different source material. You know, we're not going to get the, either way. We're not getting the same old, same old here. This is going to probably be the most unique Spider-Man movie by a mile, which is exciting to me. Hey, you know what? We're doing the Spider-Verse. How great would it be if Moreland just so, suddenly showed up? <laughs> and then he gets killed I off screen. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, I would love to see that character get like a bigger treatment enough to really be accepted into the... Spider-Man, uh, you know, major rogues gallery. Because I, I, I don't think I've ever seen him adapted into television or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, so no cartoons or I anything. I don't think you skip past TV to the movie, but you never, you never know. Now, Dan, I know when it comes to the world of Easter eggs and Spider-Man movies, you are the expert. Were there any Easter eggs that jumped out immediately at you that you want to just get out there and flex your muscles about? I didn't really intend to pick this apart because I had pitched doing an article on the Easter eggs for the Hollywood reporter where I normally do my articles on Easter eggs. And Aaron, my editor there told me like, you know, we're really busy right now. We're not gonna be able to pull this off and funds are low. So why don't we wait for the actual movie? And I was like, totally fine. Makes sense to not split stuff up. But you know, uh, looking back at far from home, I remembered that there were Easter eggs in that trailer that weren't in the actual movie. They like created Easter eggs just for the trailer. And so I was like, you know, I kind of want to document this at least for myself so that I can like go back and compare like, hey, are they like just as a function of the industry? Because clearly they know people are going to scrub these things for Easter eggs enough that it gets people go see the movie multiple times. Like it's a new way for like they're doing it to make money. Right. Like, I mean, it also probably is fun. It's but a new way to engage with the movie. For this you know, now. that's the bottom line. You, people can engage with it more this way. Right. I love it. And I enjoy doing it, too. Like when I went and saw Into the Spider-Verse a couple months early and came out with like 100 Easter eggs, I felt like a champ. You know? <laughs> so for this one, I was like, OK, let, let me see what I can find. And so I just kind of casually posted a bunch of them on Twitter probably in a really sloppy fashion. I think I broke my thread a number of times, <laughs> had to repost things. But then it suddenly got like gaining traction and it started to go like uh, mini viral. And that was a kind of new experience for me enough that like Ryan Airy, who does the screen crush videos on all the Marvel stuff. If you watch his stuff, he's brilliant. I don't know how he does the, the stuff that he does. He suddenly gave me a shout out. Like I found out a bunch of things that he didn't see in the video without me even like interacting with him. So that was cool. And he and I have since talked and I've, I invited him to come join us on the show when the movie comes out. So I think that could be a, a lot of fun. It was weird. My phone was just going nuts all day. I think I had like 500 retweets on something 
it was just crazy. So that was fun. So in terms of things that I saw, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff is really obvious that we talked about, but there's a couple of fun things. So one, when Peter and MJ are on the roof at the beginning, you can see Ditko's name in graffiti on the back of the roof. And I thought that was really neat. And then when Peter is on the, uh, the bridge at the end, you know, one of the things you really have to kind of keep out for, they like to hide stuff in license plates. And at first they only released this thing in 720. So it was a really low quality thing. And I have a higher quality version now that I'm hoping to scrub a little bit more, but the license plates usually hide stuff. But in this case, it was a taxi cab number, which was one, two, two, eight, which uh, is if I, if I'm correct, it's December 28th, which is Stan Lee's birthday. So that's going to be the new um, so, Stanley cameo, a license plate with I, his birthday? I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that was cool. And then the other one, you know, with, of a little more substance, you know, this thing opened with like Spider-Man and MJ on a bridge. And, you know, I think that's all part of the sequence where they're like escaping the, you know, press or it's like a dream sequence where he's remembering being chased by the press after he was outed by J. Jonah Jameson who I imagine is going to have a really small role in this movie. I was hoping for a bigger role, but I think he's probably just going to kind of occupy the role he did in the last one. You know, he immediately sends up red flags. The thing that was curious to me is the bridge where Otto breaks out of, like it shows multiple times like where the bridge is to. And the bridge is to the George Washington Bridge, which mark is what? Well, (laughs) (laughs) or or what isn't it? Right. I mean, it's it's technically the bridge where Gwen Stacy was was killed, (laughs) but visually it was the Brooklyn Bridge (laughs) and then it's been retconned. But but yes, George Washington Bridge has a very significant role in the in the world of Spider-Man for sure. Look, it might not be anything, but when I saw that, I was like, uh, let me red flag that because although the bridge that they're on at the start, I believe, is like the Queensboro Bridge because you can see the cars that go off to Roosevelt Island. You can you can rest assured that MJ is going to make it out of the first five minutes of the movie. I, I would think so. And certainly off the Queensboro. I mean, you know, we can't talk about the George Washington Brooklyn Bridge. Which for people but, who are unfamiliar that, with their geography are on completely opposite ends of New York City. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing about that, though, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? And this would kind of be my final thought on the trailer. The thing about the trailer that also makes me happy is it seems to be some of the biggest consequences that we've seen for the character yet. I mean, even if it's just implying the death of a loved one or something, but there's a number of instances of a shot of like, Peter and Aunt May on the couch and like looks like someone storming into the home and there's like Happy Hogan in like a car with a bunch of like laser sights and and things and it seems like these characters are going to be in real like kind of threat situation directly related to like Peter you know like if if Peter wasn't in Europe when they went to Europe I think Mysterio is still kind of doing what he's doing maybe not quite in the same way but this seems to be something that like really lies like that being Spider-Man has consequences. And I don't know that it's something we've really seen for the character yet. So far, he seems to be like kind of inserting himself into problems. And this seems to be a problem that's like arising of the state of like who he is. 
And I think that's an important development for this character in that he doesn't have Uncle Ben to make that an intrinsic part of the character, at least that we know of. Do I think they're going to address Uncle Ben in this movie? I don't know. Maybe Tobey Maguire's character brings it up. But like, at least we're seeing something that says like, hey, being Spider-Man is dangerous. And that's interesting to me at the very least. I don't know if I have anything else to add to you on that. I mean, this again, like this seems like at the very least, this is going to be fun. It's going to be different. It's going to be interesting. I, I, I can't say for any certainty if it's going to be any good. <laughs> I'm excited for this. I, 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 I this was a like, you know, after all this time waiting and waiting and waiting, it, I was legitimately like, oh, my goodness, they finally did it. This and it looks really interesting. Color me ready to see this movie in December. Not that I wouldn't want to see it anyway but you know this this definitely elevates it significantly <laughs> and please 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 if this isn't doctor strange and he's like already lost in the multiverse of madness can we get spider-man to show up in the doctor strange movie i just want sam raimi to direct spider-man again yeah <laughs> that, that's a desire great point of mine yeah but, yeah so, um, you know, I think, Mark, you know, I, I don't know if when we're going to check in on this again before the movie is released. But I, I think if there's like enough interesting things to talk about, we'll we'll find a way to talk about it. But at the very least, you know, join us for our review in a few months of Spider-Man No Way Home. The maybe the, the end of this trilogy. Who knows? <laughs> um, we'll, we'll ride that roller coaster, too. I was going to say money, um, money but, talks, uh, Dan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. Hey, speaking of which, if you find this show entertaining and valuable, please consider supporting us. Recommend Amazing Spider Talk to a friend. And if you're able, become a member of our Patreon. Yeah, we can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. Uh, we are constantly making exclusive content for our members. Yeah, so why not take $3.99? You know, that's the price of a new comic, or actually, like, it's less than a price of a Sinister War, and put it towards a month subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content. That way you'll hear our Patreon-exclusive review podcast on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week it comes out, instead of waiting for it to arrive in our public podcasting feed. And if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. This season, we'll be mailing out a print by artist Ron Friends. He's created a lost page of The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man for Us, which was inked by Brett Breeding. Uh, and the page depicts Tim and Spidey sharing laughs over Tim's Spider-Man comics collection. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. Yeah, but we know it's a hard time for everybody, as it is for us, too. You know, the world is going through a lot right now. So we just really appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and especially by sharing. But if you have the means, please join our Patreon to support the continued existence of our show. Just follow the link in the description. And again, a thank you to all the members who already make our show possible. But alas, Dan, it is that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So, of course, we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. 
Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coast with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Busema, and Ray Sumzer. And our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxon, and Spider Match. So, Mark, until we learn to hypnotize women with our spider powers, what's our motto? <laughs> of course, that motto is, with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Don't, don't miss the next installment.